Chapter 17 of Tarzan and the Golden Lion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Herring of Abingdon, Virginia. Tarzan and the Golden Lion by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 17 The Torture of Fire. Flora Hawks and her four confederates, pursued by Luvini and his two hundred warriors, stumbled through the darkness of the jungle night. They had no objective, for, guided entirely as they had been by the blacks, they knew not where they were and were completely lost. The sole idea dominating the mind of each was to put as much distance between themselves and the camp of the ivory raiders as possible, for no matter what the outcome of the battle there might have been, their fate would be the same should the victorious party capture them. They had stumbled on for perhaps half an hour when, during a momentary rest, they heard plainly behind them the sound of pursuit, and again they plunged on in their aimless flight of terror. Presently, to their surprise, they discerned the glow of a light ahead. What could it be? Had they made a complete circle, and was this again the camp they had been fleeing? They pushed on to reconnoitre, until at last they saw before them the outlines of a camp surrounded by a thorn boma, in the center of which was burning a small campfire. About the fire were congregated half a hundred black warriors, and as the fugitives crept closer, they saw among the blacks a figure standing out clearly in the light of the campfire, a white woman, and behind them rose louder and louder the sound of pursuit. From the gestures and gesticulations of the blacks around the campfire, it was evident that they were discussing the sounds of the battle they had recently heard in the direction of the raiders' camp, for they often pointed in that direction. And now the woman raised her hand for silence, and they all listened, and it was evident that they, too, heard the coming of the warriors who were pursuing Flora Hawks and her confederates. "'There is a white woman there,' said Flora to the others. "'We do not know who she is, but she is our only hope, for those who are pursuing us will overtake us quickly. Perhaps this woman will protect us. Come!' I am going to find out. And without waiting for an answer, she walked boldly toward the boma. They had come but a short distance when the keen eyes of the waziri discovered them, and instantly the boma wall was ringed with bristling spears. Stop, cried one of the warriors. We are the waziri of Tarzan. Who are you? I am an Englishwoman, called Flora in reply. I and my companions are lost in the jungle. We have been betrayed by our safari. Our head man is pursuing us now with warriors. There are but five of us, and we ask your protection. Let them come, said Jane to the Waziri. As Flora Hawks and the four men entered the boma beneath the scrutiny of Jane Clayton and the Waziri, another pair of eyes watched from the foliage of the great tree that overhung the camp upon the opposite side, gray eyes to which a strange light came as they recognized the girl and her companions. As the newcomers approached Lady Greystoke, the latter gave an exclamation of surprise. Flora, she said, in astonishment. Flora Hawks, what in the world are you doing here? The girl, startled too, came to a full stop. Lady Greystoke? she ejaculated. I do not understand, continued Lady Greystoke. I did not know that you were in Africa. For a moment the glib Flora was overcome by consternation, but presently her native wit came to her assistance. I am here with Mr. Bloober and his friends, she said, who came to make scientific researches, and brought me along because I had been to Africa with you and Lord Greystoke, and knew something of the manners and customs of the country, and now our boys have turned against us, and unless you can help us we are lost. Are they West Coast boys? asked Jane. Yes, replied Flora. I think my Waziri can handle them. How many of them are there? About two hundred, said Kraski. Lady Greystoke shook her head. The odds are pretty heavy, she commented, and then she called to Usla, who was in charge. There are two hundred West Coast boys coming after these people, she said. We shall have to fight to defend them. We are Waziri, replied Usla simply, and a moment later the van of Luvini's forces broke into view at the outer rim of the campfire's reach. At sight of the glistening warriors ready to receive them, the West Coast boys halted. Luvini, 
taking in the inferior numbers of the enemy at a glance, stepped forward a few paces ahead of his men and commenced to shout taunts and insults, demanding the return of the whites to him. He accompanied his words with frantic and grotesque steps, at the same time waving his rifle and shaking his fist. Presently his followers took up his refrain until the whole band of two hundred was shrieking and yelling and threatening. The while they leaped up and down as they worked themselves into a frenzy of excitement that would impart to them the courage necessary for the initiating of a charge. The Waziri, behind the Boma Wall, schooled and disciplined by Tarzan of the Apes, had long since discarded the fantastic overture to battle so dear to the hearts of other warlike tribes and, instead, stood stolid and grim awaiting the coming of the foe. "'They have a number of rifles,' commented Lady Greystoke. "'That looks rather bad for us.' "'There are not over half a dozen who can hit anything with their rifles.' said Kraski. You men are all armed. Take your places among my waziri. Warn your men to go away and leave us alone. Do not fire until they attack, but at the first overt act commence firing and keep it up. There is nothing that so discourages a west coast black as the rifle fire of white men. Flora and I will remain at the back of the camp, near that great tree. She spoke authoritatively, as one who is accustomed to command and knows whereof she speaks. The men obeyed her, even Bluber, though he trembled pitiably as he moved forward to take his place in the front ranks among the Waziri. Their movements, in the light of the campfire, were plainly discernible to Luvini, and also to the other who watched from the foliage of the tree beneath which Jane Clayton and Flora Hawks took refuge. Luvini had not come to fight. He had come to capture Flora Hawks. He turned to his men. There are only fifty of them, he said. We can kill them easily, but we did not come to make war. We came to get the white girl back again. Stay here and make a great show against those sons of jackals. Keep them always looking at you. Advance a little, and then fall back again. And while you are thus keeping their attention attracted in this direction, I will take fifty men and go to the rear of their camp and get the white girl. And when I have her, I will send word to you. And immediately you can return to the village, where, behind the palisade, we shall be safe against attack. Now this plan well suited the West Coast blacks, who had no stomach for the battle looming so imminent. And so they danced and yelled and menaced more vociferously than before for they felt they were doing it all with perfect impunity, since presently they should retire, after a bloodless victory, to the safety of their palisade. As Luvini, making a detour, crept through the concealment of the dense jungles to the rear of the camp while the den of the West Coast Blacks arose to almost deafening proportions, there dropped suddenly to the ground before the two white women from the tree above them, the figure of a white giant, naked except for loincloth and leopard skin, his godlike contour picked out by the flickering light of the beast fire. John! exclaimed Lady Greystoke. Thank God it is you! "'Shh!' cautioned the white giant, placing a forefinger to his lips, and then suddenly he wheeled upon Flora Hawks. "'It is you I want!' he cried, and seizing the girl, he threw her lightly across his shoulders, and before Lady Greystoke could interfere. Before she half realized what had occurred, he had lightly leaped the protecting boma in the rear of the camp and disappeared into the jungle beyond. For a moment Jane Clayton stood reeling as one stunned by an unexpected blow, and then, with a stifled moan, she sank sobbing to the ground, her face buried in her arms.' It was thus that Luvini and his warriors found her as they crept stealthily over the boma and into the camp in the rear of the defenders upon the opposite side of the beast fire. They had come for a white woman, and they had found one, and roughly dragging her to her feet, smothering her cries with rough and filthy palms, they bore her out into the jungle toward the palisaded village of the ivory raiders. Ten minutes later, the white men and the waziri saw the west coast blacks retire slowly into the jungle, still yelling and threatening, as though bent on the total annihilation of their enemies. The battle was over without a shot being fired or a spear hurled. Blimey, said Throck. What was all that bloomin' fuss about, anyhow? I thought they was going to heat us up, and the blighters never done nothing but yell. And here we are, and that's that. The Jew swelled out his chest. It takes more than a bunch of niggers to bluff Adolf Bluber, he said pompously. 
Kraski looked after the departing blacks, and then, scratching his head, turned back toward the campfire. I can't understand it, he said, and then suddenly, Where are Flora and Lady Greystoke? It was then that they discovered that the two women were missing. The Waziri were frantic. They called the name of their mistress aloud, but there was no reply. Come, cried Usla. We, the Waziri, shall fight after all. And running to the boma, he leaped it, and followed by his fifty blacks, set out in pursuit of the West Coast boys. It was but a moment or two before they overtook them, but that which ensued resembled more a rout than a battle. Fleeing in terror toward their palisade with the Waziri at their heels, the West Coast blacks threw away their rifles that they might run the faster, but Louvini and his party had had sufficient start so that they were able to reach the village and gain the safety of the palisade before pursued and pursuers reached it. Once inside the gate, the defenders made a stand, for they realized that if the Waziri entered they should all be massacred, and so they fought as a cornered rat will fight with the result that they managed to hold off the attackers until they could close and bar the gate. Built as it had been as a defense against far greater numbers, the village was easy to defend, where there were less than fifty Waziri now, and nearly two hundred fighting men within the village to defend it against them. Realizing the futility of blind attack, Uslo withdrew his forces a short distance from the palisade, and there they squatted, their fierce scowling faces glaring at the gateway while Uslo pondered schemes for outwitting the enemy, which he realized he could not overcome by force alone. It is only Lady Greystoke that we want he said. Vengeance can wait until another day. But we do not know that she is within the village, reminded one of his men. Where else could she be, then? asked Usla. It is true that you may be right. She may not be within the village, but that I intend to find out. I have a plan. See, the wind is from the opposite side of the village. Ten of you will accompany me. The others will advance again before the gate and make much noise, and pretend that you are about to attack. After a while, the gate will open, and they will come out. That I promise you. I will try to be here before that happens, but if I am not, divide into two parties and stand upon either side of the gateway, and let the West Coast blacks escape. We do not care for them. Watch only for Lady Greystoke, and when you see her, take her away from those who guard her. Do you understand? His companions nodded. Then come, he said, and selecting ten men disappeared into the jungle. Luvinia carried Jane Clayton to a hut not far from the gateway to the village. Here he had bound her securely and tied her to a stake, still believing that she was Flora Hawks and then he left her to hurry back toward the gate that he might take command of his forces in defense of the village. So rapidly had the events of the past hour transpired that Jane Clayton was still half-dazed from the series of shocks that she had been called upon to endure. Dwarfing to nothingness the menace of her present position was the remembrance that her Tarzan had deserted her in her hour of need, and carried off into the jungle another woman. Not even the remembrance of what Ursula had told her concerning the accident that Tarzan had sustained, and which supposedly again had affected his memory, could reconcile her to the brutality of his desertion, and now she lay, face down, in the filth of the Arab hut, sobbing as she had not for many years. As she lay there, torn by grief, Ursula and his ten crept stealthily and silently around the outside of the palisade to the rear of the village. Here they found great quantities of dead brush left from the clearing which the Arabs had made when constructing their village. This they brought and piled along the palisade, close against it, until nearly three-quarters of the palisade upon the side of the village was banked high with it. Finding that it was difficult to prosecute their work in silence, Usla dispatched one of his men to the main body upon the opposite side of the village, with instructions that they were to keep up a continuous din of shouting to drown the sound of the operations of their fellows. The plan worked to perfection, yet even though it permitted Usla and his companions to labor with redoubled efforts, it was more than an hour before the brush pile was disposed to his satisfaction. Luvini, from an aperture in the palisade, watched the main body of the Waziri, who were now revealed by the rising of the moon, and finally he came to the conclusion that they did not intend to attack that night, and therefore he might relax his watchfulness and utilize the time in another and more agreeable manner. 
instructing the bulk of his warriors to remain near the gate and ever upon the alert with orders that he be summoned the moment that the waziri showed any change in attitude louvini repaired to the hut in which he had left lady greystoke the black was a huge fellow with low receding forehead and prognathous jaw a type of the lowest form of african negro as he entered the hut with a lighted torch which he stuck in the floor his bloodshot eyes gazed greedily at the still form of the woman lying prone before him he licked his thick lips and coming closer reached out and touched her jane clayton looked up and recoiling in revulsion shrunk away at sight of the woman's face the black looked his surprise who are you he demanded in the pigeon english of the coast i am lady greystoke wife of tarzan of the apes replied jane clayton if you are wise you will release me at once surprise and terror showed in the eyes of louvini and another emotion as well but which could dominate the muddy brain it was difficult then to tell for a long time he sat gazing at her and slowly the greedy gloating expression upon his face dominated and expunged the fear that had at first been written there and in the change jane clayton read her doom with fumbling fingers louvini untied the knots of the bonds that held jane clayton's wrists and ankles she felt his hot breath upon her and saw his bloodshot eyes and the red tongue that momentarily licked the thick lips the instant that she felt the last thong with which she was tied fall away she leapt to her feet and sprang for the entrance to the hut but a great hand reached forth and seized her and as louvini dragged her back toward him she wheeled like a mad tigress and struck repeatedly at his grinning ugly face by brute force ruthless and indomitable he beat down her weak resistance and slowly and surely dragged her closer to him oblivious to aught else deaf to the cries of the waziri before the gate and to the sudden new commotion that arose in the village the two struggled on the woman from the first foredoomed to defeat against the rear palisade usla had already put burning torches to his brush pile at half a dozen different places the flames fanned by a gentle jungle breeze had leaped almost immediately into a roaring conflagration before which the dry wood of the palisade crumbled in a shower of ruddy sparks which the wind carried to the thatched roofs of the huts beyond until in an incredibly short period of time the village was a roaring inferno of flames and even as usla had predicted the gate swung open and the west coast blacks swarmed forth in terror toward the jungle upon either side of the gateway the waziri stood looking for their mistress but though they waited and watched in silence until no more came from the gateway of the village and until the interior of the palisade was a seething hell of fire they saw nothing of her long after they were convinced that no human being could remain alive in the village they still waited and hoped but at last usla gave up the useless vigil she was never there he said and now we must pursue the blacks and capture some of them from whom we may learn the whereabouts of lady greystoke it was daylight before they came upon a small band of stragglers who were in camp a few miles toward the west these they quickly surrounded winning their immediate surrender by promises of immunity in the event that they would answer truthfully the questions that usla should propound where is louvini demanded usla who had learned the name of the leader of the west coast boys from the europeans the evening before we do not know we have not seen him since he left the village replied one of the blacks we were some of the slaves of the arabs and when we escaped the palisade last night we ran away from the others for we thought that we should be safer alone than with louvini he is even crueler than the arabs did you see the white women that he brought to the camp last night demanded usla he brought but one white woman replied the other what did he do with her where is she now asked usla i do not know when he brought her he bound her hand and foot and put her in the hut which he occupied near the village gate we have not seen her since usla turned and looked at his companions a great fear was in his eyes a fear that was reflected in the countenances of the others come he said we shall return to the village and you will go with us he added addressing the west coast blacks and if you have lied to us he made a significant movement with his forefinger across his throat we have not lied to you replied the others 
Quickly they retraced their steps toward the ruins of the Arab village, nothing of which was left save a few piles of smoldering embers. Where was the hut in which the white woman was confined? demanded Usla as they entered the smoking ruins. Here, said one of the blacks, and walked quickly a few paces beyond what had been the village gateway. Suddenly he halted and pointed at something which lay upon the ground. There, he said, is the white woman you seek. Usla and the others pressed forward. Rage and grief contended for mastery of them as they beheld, lying before them, the charred remains of a human body. It is she, said Usla, turning away to hide his grief as the tears rolled down his ebon cheeks. The other waziri were equally affected, for they all had loved the mate of the big Buana. Perhaps it is not she, suggested one of them. Perhaps it is another. We can tell quickly, cried a third. If her rings are among the ashes, it is indeed she and he knelt and searched for the rings which Lady Greystoke habitually wore. Usla shook his head despairingly. "'It is she,' he said. "'There is the very stake to which she was fastened.' He pointed to the blackened stub of a stake close beside the body. "'And as for the rings, even if they are not there it will mean nothing, for Lavini would have taken them away from her as soon as he captured her. There was time for everyone else to leave the village except she, who was bound, and could not leave. No.' It cannot be another. The waziri scooped a shallow grave and reverently deposited the ashes there, marking the spot with a little cairn of stones. End of chapter.